Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Lex Factor. It's your host, Lauren, here. And your co-host, Brad Pobble. Yay. Oh, thank you for the clap. Can yeah, never so, forget that. Yeah. No, Doug, we do this thing where we clap for Brad. It's just, it happened once and then like, it makes like him feel clap? better. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> it was kind of sad today. You kind of so. gave away our guest this time. I know. You talked to him already. <laughs> well, there's probably a couple Dougs in the world, so oh, no okay. one knows which Doug this is. That's yet. right. I'm I'm Brad Pobble, not Doug. Doug. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> So we're here today with Doug Brown, and he is the Chief Learning Officer over at Summit Success International. Welcome, Doug. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm going to clap for you. (laughs) Okay, I'll take a clap. I'll take a clap. It was a little bit of like an alliteration. I was like, okay, I'm totally going to butcher this. No, you did well. (laughs) Summit Success International. There we go. There you go. So, Doug, thank you so much for being with us here today. Hope you had a nice week. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Um, Today we are talking about lawyer burnout, so I know you have a little information, too, about why that's so important to you. So love to hear a little bit more about you and lawyer burnout. Boy. um, (laughs) Where to start? (laughs) Where to to start? So my business is helping lawyers overcome burnout so they can make more money in less time and they can actually have a life. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, the problems that most lawyers have is they are um, really subject to burnout. It's an occupational hazard. I know because I am a lawyer and I practiced in uh, private practice for a number of years. And then I pivoted and became in-house counsel uh, at a growing company. We went from 80 to $300 million in, oh, wow. in several years. And I became, uh, as we went through that explosive growth, I was more than just the company lawyer. I got involved in sales and operations and startups and turnarounds. So um, I got a chance to really get being really in a high, uh, high paced, uh, fast paced corporate environment where I had to be the lawyer, but I also had to be the business guy and the leader. And, and along the way, I was involved in lots of things. I've always, like many of your audience, I've been the kind of person that takes on, you know, lots of things and gets really busy. And then I've got to figure out how to do it all. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my life for many years. Uh, as I went from being a company lawyer to uh, to being a business executive with the global responsibilities for um, divisions all over the world. Um, and it was interesting that the stress of going from being the lawyer to the business guy, that was a whole nother kind of uh, kind of burnout. So <laughs> what a transition. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, I always knew that I wanted to do more than just um, for me uh, being in practice. When I started, I did litigation. And I always thought of the best thing to say on the way home from court. So that wasn't my thing. <laughs> sort of like when you yeah, replay yeah. those arguments in your head and yeah. you're like, yeah. oh, I should have said that. Yeah. Or after a meeting, yeah. a presentation, you're like, oh, why didn't I answer it mm-hmm. that way? Absolutely. I hate that. It's so tough. So I've always been a business builder and a fixer. So I got a chance to do that in a corporate world. Um, and then I left the corporate uh, world and I went into teaching. I taught um, innovation and entrepreneurship oh, wow. at the Malcolm Baldrige School of Business in the MBA program. I was there one of their first full-time faculty for six years. And uh, then I got recruited uh, from there because I was teaching about all the things that I did in business. Um, I got kind of recruited by the Connecticut Bar Association to become their executive director, the chief executive. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is not a state job. It's a, it's a volunteer organization around education and advocacy for lawyers. And they needed 
help. So they brought me in. And if I didn't understand stress and burnout before, <laughs> when I had 10,000 lawyers as bosses, oh, man. you know, if that doesn't cause work-related you know, PTSD, yeah. then I don't know what will. <laughs> so I really needed to develop some strategies around um, how to be at my best and, and recognize and admit burnout. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a character flaw. And so I, I accomplished that and, and learned how to do those strategies. Then I went, I figured lawyers was challenging enough. Let's try retail jewelry. So I went in with a, uh, as a chief operating officer for a retail jewelry uh, company with mm-hmm. uh, 21 stores in five states. Got them turned around, took a 130-year-old fourth-generation business, moved it to the fifth. And then I took all of that and I went uh, to do what I was really meant to do. <laughs> and that's uh, do this work with lawyers, teaching them how to run businesses and over strategies to overcome burnout and overwhelm. Um, because the the biggest thing I learned about this along the way was this whole myth that if you're any good as a lawyer, you are not going to burn out. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you burn out, you obviously there's something wrong with you. Right. And that's just wrong. And that myth holds people back from getting, from developing strategies, from getting the help they need so they can kind of live the life they want. Yeah. Wow. That makes perfect sense. So do you think all of the different views and different positions that you've taken over the years has really helped you in developing your strategies? You know, it's it's sort of like through your experiences, I've now developed this and being able to look at things through multiple angles as a chief operating officer, as a CEO, as an attorney. Yeah. Has that helped you? In one industry uh, versus a completely different right, one. Right. Yeah. Jumping from industry to industry. Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, I, I didn't learn this stuff from a book. I learned this stuff by living it. I've always been willing to put myself into difficult situations to make things better. And so that means that I needed to develop the strategies to whether it's learning how to sell and how to be in a sales presentation, Mm -hmm. which in many ways is kind of more challenging than court because there are less rules in sales. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is true. um, to you know, dealing with employees and, ha- and going from the person who was advising people about how to deal with employees to being the guy that had to make the call and then let somebody know their job wasn't theirs anymore. I've kind of been told I lead from the heart. And so that stuff is, is real, it really gets to you. So unless you have some, develop some way to deal with it and live through dealing with it badly, it's difficult to help other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's where Brad and I are agree quite often is, is that leading with the heart, just being passionate about what you're doing. And, you know, you know, we sit in so many interviews looking for whether it's interns, full-time employees, and you get people who just have the the best background. They've been in the industry, the law industry, their whole lives. They clearly know what they're doing, but they're just kind of blah. And then you get someone who maybe doesn't have as much experience or has jumped around a little bit, but they're so passionate and so engaging. And, you know, 100% of the time, I want to go with the person who's passionate because you're going to get that better work out of them. You know, they're going to be more engaged, more willing to learn, more willing to go the extra mile. And, you know, and something that you mentioned earlier too, Doug, I I was just thinking about, you know, hiring practices and whatnot, because you said, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been in multiple industries and multiple jobs, but, you know, I've come across a lot of times too, especially, I wouldn't say it's as common nowadays as it was in the past, but I think there used to be this bad, bad habit of interviewing and hiring people who have really only been in that industry because you want people with that background. You want people to come in and know what they're doing. Hit the ground running. Exactly. But which is obviously 
a wonderful thing mm-hmm. to have. But on the flip side, I think I've learned so much myself from being in multiple industries and working with people that have been in multiple industries and multiple types of job roles. And I do. I think you get better you get better insight and better development out of them because they're more well-rounded. Like you understand business, you understand the retail industry, you understand the legal industry. And there's pieces of that that help you in everywhere you go. Absolutely. And you know, when I was a director of the Bar Association, we were um, really getting serious at that point about diversity. And, and the thing in my experience about diversity, it's also about how you think. It's about how you process information. It's about having different industries and experience. And Mm -hmm. part of the problem I found as the guy who produced CLEs for 20 years is often you're reaching into your own population for your teachers, Mm -hmm. which is great if you're teaching about technical aspects of the law. But when you're teaching about things that lawyers are uncomfortable with, like the idea of stress and burnout. Yeah. Or marketing, business development. Or marketing. That's a great point. The stuff that I learned and taught in business school, I I give so much credit to the lawyers who teach CLE because they're taking, it's it's work, it takes time um, out of their practice. They're they're tremendous assets to the legal profession. You also need to learn from someone who has lived it Mm -hmm. and who also has the ability to teach it. Because just because you've lived it doesn't mean you know how to teach it. Yeah. When I was able to take what I knew, and I'm naturally a teacher and a coach, and then was able to learn and, and do it actually teaching adult learners, because the MBA program I, I, I worked in was all about adult learners. You had to be out of school for at least five years to get in it. Mm-hmm. And that was dealing with a lot of stressful situations. How do you have enough stress to keep your edge, but not so much stress that you burn out? I mean, that's where performance happens. Mm-hmm. That That's where real high performance happens. And the people that you've talked about, lawyers especially, when you take on that, the people with passion and who will take on things, they're the ones, your stars that are most likely to have closet burnout. Mm-hmm. They forget how to say no. Yeah. Doug, you've seen this quite a bit in your teachings. Uh, what are some of the things to look for? You know, I have a, a partner, a fellow attorney. What are some signs that I can look f- for to see that they are in that burnout phase or even self-reflect on myself to understand I do actually have that and and I need to address it and reach out for help? So what are some of the things to look for? I guess I should give my lawyer disclaimer that everything I'm talking <laughs> about is is my experience. I'm not actually a mental health professional. <laughs> um, Wait, we so, have an actual button we push that talks okay. really fast that'll cover yeah, yeah, the disclaimer. Yeah, cover the disclaimer. <laughs> We're all covered. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. Say whatever you want. No. And the reason I say that is these are my, my experiences. Mm-hmm. And the thing that uh, I want to share is it's okay to be seeking help. Mm-hmm. I was in a, a teaching in a CLE program at the Maine State Bar Association, and someone was speaking about lawyer burnout because the ABA has done a lot of studies on this. One of the things he said really stuck with me. He said, well, lawyers have to admit that they failed and need help. And I'm like, well, time out. You don't have to admit that you failed to need help. There are people who are super successful who haven't mm-hmm. failed at all, that and they help. reach out for help. So let's just get over this idea that the only reason you can ask for help is even mental health help is because you're somehow a failure. I mean, that's that's just wrong. So what, what are things to look for? It's sometimes really hard to see burnout in yourself because you have been I'm accustomed to going, 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 going all the time. 
So I think the number one thing, speaking for yourself, is to kind of uh, make time to step back and be inquisitive about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So things that didn't bother me are really bothering me all of a sudden. I, I'm getting upset about nothing at all. I'm not getting as much work done as I used to get done. The joy is gone. If somebody's behavior has changed a lot and that you're working with, some t- people will get really aggressive. Other people will get more withdrawn. Mm-hmm. It's just asking the question. And sometimes it's it's not hey, are you burnt out? Because of course, if you say you're burnt out, any lawyer is going to say, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm not burnt out. Yeah, It's just got to being aware of it in, in yourself. So typically, if there's things that you are not sleeping, if you feel overwhelmed all the time, you know, I have kind of a little four-part formula I discovered in, in my journey. And part of it is the formula, if you kind of feel like you've lost your purpose, you're not sure why you're doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. If your energy is really low or becomes negative, if you feel like you're not really taking an action and you don't really trust yourself anymore, those are signs that you ought to at least be stepping back and asking the question, how do I deal with this? And using your skills as a lawyer to do the research and, and allow yourself to be open to the fact that, you know, maybe I need to change what I'm doing. You know, you touched on it in two different ways. You as an attorney or you as a person, you know, let's be honest, it's not just attorneys. Everybody gets overwhelmed, but we're here specifically talking about the legal industry. So you may have noticed some changes in yourself. You know you're burnt out. You don't want to admit it. Or, you know, maybe you're working with one of your coworkers and you notice something has changed with them. What do you do now? Like what resources are out there? And, you know, how do you admit to yourself that you need you need to do something about that? But even on top of that, how do you say, hey, I know my coworker who I really am fond of. Something's up with them. How do I even approach that? Where do I go? How, what are the next steps there? Oh, it's so, it's so individual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or are there, are there resources? Are there common resources for the legal well, industry? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, where, where I get involved as an executive business coach is when somebody is realizing they need to do something differently. What mm-hmm. they've been tolerating isn't working anymore. They know they need to do something differently and they need somebody there who is a guide to them. You know, if in, in Star Wars lore, if they're Luke Skywalker, they need an Obi-Wan Kenobi or a Yoda to help <laughs> them uh, ask the right questions to, to move them forward. Yeah. You know, I guess what I can share with you is, I mean, yes, there are resources out there. The American Bar Association has tremendous resources. Um, you can Google you know, how to spot burnout in lawyers, and there's millions of resources out there. The, the thing that I did when my clients are, are struggling with this, because I work a lot with private coaching clients, mm-hmm. when I was at the place when I really needed to like do something differently, um, my energy was super low. I felt like I wasn't as productive as I needed to be. And you're just not even getting, you know, you can tell when you stop getting back to people and you mm-hmm. stop communicating or communicating differently, that's a sign. I, I really turned myself because I didn't know where else to go. I turned myself to mm-hmm. mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I turned myself to meditation. I found the app. I found an app. <laughs> and and after the 30-day, 15-day trial period, I actually paid money for it. It was 60 whole dollars. Uh-huh. It was a major investment, right? Myself. Like, can I spend $60 on myself? I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably. Well, it's funny. I've talked to lawyers that I would tried meditation. The thing expired. I didn't pay for it. And I'm like, kindly ask, well, how much was it? And then they realize, like, okay, that was stupid. I should have kept doing it. But my thing is I thought, well, maybe there's this has been around for thousands of years. Maybe there's something to this. Mm-hmm. And I needed to do something. 
And the thing that I found with even just a 10 minute meditation, first, it's not a magic thing. It's really hard to do. You have to focus. I've been doing it 1700 days straight. Oh, wow. And just 10 minutes a day. Half the days I kind of stink at it still. But the whole idea of mindfulness is to slow down and to take it and to breathe. Lawyers are like, well, I know how to breathe. I'm like, okay, how's that work? How's that working out for you? In and out. No. <laughs> In and out. But it's to, it's to help you take a step back and be aware intentionally of what's going on in your surroundings to kind of step back as an observer a little bit. And part for me, that experience helped me see things differently. So I could say, well, maybe there's something going on here that I need more to, to work on mm -hmm. instead of just ignoring it. Over time, the mindfulness strategy helped me almost coach myself to be able to say, okay, you're dealing with the world around you. The world's out of control. There's only so many things you control and how might you do that? So one of the first steps is to find a way to get perspective. And, and the biggest thing I think is leading to burnout for lawyers. And I'm a lawyer. I love lawyers. We massively overestimate our ability to control the world. We think the world should be a certain way. And whether it's the person cutting us off in the parking lot or the phone ringing or the computer dinging, we should be able to control our world. The brutal truth is there's very little we control. So if you're waiting to control outside things, it's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. What we do control is ourself and how we react to the world around us. And, and when we kind of let go of this lawyer ego that we can somehow change everybody else in the whole world to conform to our view of it, and we can deal with ourselves and how we respond to it, that was a really big, important first step, especially when I had 10,000 lawyers as bosses. Yeah. Most oh, of yeah. them I loved, by the way. They're great people. Just because you're a good Criminal defense attorney doesn't mean you know how to run a bar association. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I know same. why you meditate so much. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh. I'm just joking. Well, well you know what? Um, I, I'm serious. It, you know, um, I kept doing it as a practice because it adds more value than it doesn't. And I'm not doing it. I, I never approached it from a spiritual standpoint. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do. I'm very pragmatic. It was a strategy for me to deal with stress and overwhelm. Yeah. Right. Have you guys seen, I don't know if it's national, I assume it's national, but the commercials for the Calm app? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not a plug, but actually I have that app and I love those commercials because it's literally, they. I think they have a 15 and a 30 second one. It's completely quiet. They have rain, you know, you hear rain in the background and then you just watch the clock count down until the time is up. And if you just sit there and actually focus on that commercial, it is so it really is calming and mm -hmm. it takes your stress away and it's only 30 seconds. But like I said earlier, you have to, you have to focus, you know, you can't just sit there and not be zoned in and thinking about something else or on Facebook. Been, but if you watch that commercial, you like, you feel it immediately, you, let go. you know, you do. And you know, that's the, that's the, the thing that I think contributes to burnout for lawyers. I, I use the calm app as well. That's the one I use. Headspace is another one. There's, it doesn't really matter as long as you get consistent and persistent about it. Yeah. Because one, you know, we have lawyers have what we like to call SPS or smart person syndrome. <laughs> I have that and, too. <laughs> and and so we think that simple things aren't valuable. We think there's got to be something else that will work for me that will we want a quick fix, or we find something we're like, well, I have a better way to do it. I'm gonna reinvent the wheel. <laughs> and then we suffer a couple of setbacks and we abandon it, whether it's meditation or time management or marketing. The value is in consistent and persistent activity. 
And over time, you will see the benefit of it. And that's that's just so important when we're when we're dealing with burnout and overwhelm. Do you think it's gotten worse recently? The amount of attorneys uh, that have you know that feel burnout, or do you think it's been pretty steady? I know ever since I was little, watching attorneys on TV or anything, you always see them burning the midnight oil. You yeah. always see them working with stacks of books, and you know, so they they grow up. You grow up kind of thinking that. So I can see why it can be such yeah. a problem for them. But do you think it's getting worse or do you think it's about the same as it's always been? We're just seeing it more, bringing it more to light to yeah. others reaching out for help. I was wondering about that too, because I do, I feel like there's so much nowadays that it's existed forever. Like it's always been an issue, not just burnout, but other things. But I think culture in general these days is just People are more vocal about things that matter and people aren't as afraid to talk about things that maybe they were afraid to talk about in the past. So I feel, and, and this is me, Doug, obviously I'll let you talk. <laughs> You're the expert here. But I feel like so many of things like burnout have been around forever, but people have been afraid to talk about it. And now people are just, they're Starting open. They understand it's it. important. I think both. I oh. think that it is. He couldn't been pick around. a side. I thought I was going <laughs> to well, win no, that I, one. No, I, so I'll, I'll, I'll. The, the the reader's digest version is it's absolute <laughs> it's absolutely worse yeah um, it's absolutely worse even without a pandemic um, one of the things that you know it used to be when I was you know, a wee lad lawyer <laughs> you could <laughs> disagree with somebody and go out and have a beer afterwards and you could still be friends mm -hmm. um, so even then civility was an issue uh, now you've got you know, you can't disagree or you're somehow a bad person. Um, True. You're always on all the time. You're not waiting for a fax machine anymore. It's on your phone. Yeah. There's Their clients want you every second. You're expected to be on every second. We fell into this multitasking trap. So we wound up with this continuous partial attention. Mm -hmm. And that's even before you overlay pandemic or or yeah. anything else. I mean, think of I, just the internet. You get one bad review as a lawyer. Say it's a really big case too. It could go viral. And you know, thirty second in 30 seconds, your life could change. You could be like, oh my God, someone just wrote something terrible about me and my firm well, on the internet. And all of a sudden it's been shared 42 times and you're like, oh, there goes my reputation. Well, yeah, it's even worse than that. It's, it's almost like people don't have filters anymore. Yeah. So I, I, one of my clients is a family lawyer she regularly is now getting threats from the opposing party. Oh gosh. Who is somehow yeah. threats reported to the police protective order threats. Oh man. And so this is now kind of okay. It's this, this personal destruction has somehow become okay in society. So it's absolutely worse for lawyers and it's now also okay to talk about it. Not completely safe because up until just recently, you guys may remember there was a qualification on the bar admission question. Have you ever now or ever have been treated for a mental illness? And if you answered yes, you might not get your license. Mm. Institutionally, it has not been okay to talk about this. If you're somehow a lawyer and somebody thinks you might have burnout, you think client's going to hire you? You think some opposing counsel is not going to take advantage of that? So there, there's institutionally a real problem with people even admitting there's an issue. When I was a young associate, people wouldn't take a time management class because they were afraid the partners might think they don't know how to manage their time. Mm -hmm. So I think we've come a long way in that department, but we have to get back to treating people like people and separating what you do for a living and what you represent as a client, or even what you believe from who you are as a person. 
And I think all of that adds to this, this cycle of stress and overwhelm we have to somehow try to break. So then how do, how do you do what you do? You know, I think we've, we've painted the picture of reality right now. And I know this is what you're passionate about and what you do for a living. So, you know, say someone comes to you, they're facing burnout, they need some help. How do you, how do you approach that? What do you do? Typically, clients will, will come to me because lawyers need think they need to be better at time management. Mm-hmm. So that that's usually how it shows up. I'm, I'm stressed and I need to be better at managing my time. I need to get more done in less time. Um, the other way they come is in marketing, but that's another program. Really just kind of listen to start. Being a lawyer, especially if you're running your own practice, is really lonely. Mm-hmm. There's really nobody to listen who really gets you. So the first step is to listen. What's going on? What are the things that are, what are the triggers? What's what's the thing that's most top of mind that's creating an issue for you? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not being able to say no. Sometimes it's not being able to prioritize. And then we you know, go through a little process to identify what are the top issues that are the most, if we solved them, would be the most impactful. And then we work through those and provide resources, but most importantly, provide a space where somebody who hasn't been able to talk about it before says, you know, I'm really struggling with time management. I don't know what to do first. Okay, well, what do you have to get done this week? Mm-hmm. Here, how are you using your calendar? And we, we talk about the actual strategies. And what I love about the work that I do, because I only work with a very small number of people, is really kind of a partner to them all along. So we'll actually look at their calendar and we'll figure out, all right, here's some things you could do differently, go do that. And every two weeks we're getting on the phone or on the Zoom call these days. <laughs> and how's it working for you? And people really love that that space to be able to be themselves and somebody to guide them and say, work on this thing first. Just do this one thing and then do the next thing and then do the next thing. Because if you read a time management book, mm-hmm. you get information overload. You try to do everything first. That actually can make you more stressed out. Because then you're like, well, I must, how can I even be a lawyer? I saw think at time management. Mm-hmm. And that's just wrong. Lawyers are great people. Massively misunderstood. <laughs> this is why I love working with lawyers. Because with just very small mental shifts, they've got the skills to work themselves out of overwhelming burnout. They just can't see it. So I help them see it. Yeah. Do you ever run into problems with after going through the classes, coming up with new ways of doing things? Uh, them having trouble sticking with it? Oh, only all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that never happens. No big deal all the time. <laughs> yeah, it never happens. Uh, well, you know, we have smart person syndrome, right? So we're like, if we intellectually understand it, we think we ought to be able to repeat it. Mm-hmm. But I don't really talk about time management. We talk about time mastery. Mastery takes a long time of persistent, consistent effort. And you're going you're gonna to fail at it. You got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and, and keep going. Um, and that's one of the reasons when I, when I work with clients, we work for in a six month block because it takes a long time to build those new habits to replace the habits that we've spent 20, 30 years building. Not only do people not follow through, but that's completely normal. The work that we're talking about and busting burnout is not a one and done. It is a life, you know, it's like meditation is a lifelong thing you do. You always need to be implementing these strategies. If you don't pay attention, it'll come back. I mean, and it applies to your personal life too, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. And this this isn't totally related, Doug, but you made me think about, we, we have a monthly webinar series here at Lexicon, and we just had our December <laughs> webinar um, air a couple days ago. And one of the things we talked about is listening. And so it really, when, when you were talking about listening, it sparked this in my head because these same 
tips and best practices that you're working with your clients on, your attorneys, they should be doing with their clients as well. I mean, imagine you were a client, you were going into attorney's office. Like you said, you could be facing a divorce, a custody battle, something like that. But having your attorney there listening to you, being engaged, asking questions, sharing a little bit about themselves. I mean, yes, you need somebody that can do that for you as an attorney as well. But think about it from a client perspective and how much better you're going to make your clients feel as well, which is going to make you feel a little better, right. you know? Yeah, Lauren, every single one of these strategies works for lawyers to provide better legal services to their clients. Mm -hmm. Because think about it, if a client had any other option on the planet besides seeing a lawyer, they would probably be there. <laughs> That's a good point. So, so so they're showing up in, in super high stress, super high stakes, yep. oftentimes life-changing stakes. Yeah, worried about the cost. How much is this going to yeah, cost me? Yeah, I mean, worried about the cost, worried about, are they going to lose their kid? Are they going to, even in estate planning, are you, um, how do I protect yeah. my, my daughter against my future ex-son-in-law? I mean, these are the things they worry about. Mm -hmm. And if you're a lawyer and you've somehow found a way for yourself to deal with these strategies and you can give a little bit of that to your client so they feel a little bit safer, because a lot of this stuff comes down to fear. If you can give them, make them feel a little bit safer, you'll not only give them better legal services, you will provide them an experience where they won't be able to, to keep it a secret. They mm -hmm. will be telling all of their friends. And all of a sudden, you're going to start getting the clients you actually like to work with. Yeah. It's, so it's this a is a virtuous circle. Effect. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. And, and the problem is when you're really busy as a lawyer, you start to see not the person, the legal problem, and you start to approach it as a technician. Yeah, that's true. And you ignore the person. That's not healthy either. Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. So if you had to say, you know, there's one thing attorneys out there need to do to get started down the path of getting the life that they want, what's what's that first thing they need to do, that first step? Besides take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess to recognize that it's never too late and you don't have to settle. Mm -hmm. This is a lonely business. You can do something different and even doing something new, a great new thing is challenging. Mm -hmm. So you have to know what you want and how to get there and have the right support team around you to help you get there mm -hmm. because it's way too important to try to go it, um, to go it alone. That's, so that's not one thing, but that's, that's the first mindset shift that it, it is totally possible. You probably have almost everything you need and it's not too late. Yeah. And, you know, I, I appreciate this, Doug, because we have a lot of conversations here about business and better managing your firm. And this obviously flows into that, but it's a topic that isn't addressed as much as it needs to be addressed. And, you know, even when it does get addressed, there's still people out there who maybe are afraid to take that step and admit, hey, maybe I am burnt out or maybe I need to talk to somebody. So I'm glad that we had this conversation today. Me too. Yeah. So we do like to end each episode with something that our listeners can take away. So I like to go around the room and have everybody say really just one thing. If you could say, hey, if you if you blacked out this entire episode, you got busy, you're working on a case, but you heard one thing and you're going to take it away and you're going to put it into play immediately. What would that one thing be, Doug? The one thing would be commit to a practice that helps you develop mindfulness. And for me, that was meditation. Mm-hmm commit to do it for 30 days, 10 minutes a day, 
and see how it works for you. Yeah. Love it. Brad? Oh, I, I have a good one. You have a good one? Are okay. you ready? For, uh, I'm ready. I, Brace yourself. I have, a, I have a good friend named Doug that once <laughs> said this to me. Oh, my. He said, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I've probably never heard this before. You don't have to say, I failed. I need help. Even successful people can reach out for help. That's very true. You don't have to. It's not, I failed. I need help. Yeah. It's, I'm succeeding, but I still need the help. Can you help me? Yeah. And I think that's powerful. It is, yeah. Um, mine is kind of in that same line, and it was don't be afraid to seek help. Um, I'll be honest. Like I had, I had two family members who got really, really sick within six months of each other. I had to go talk to somebody. And, you know, it could be for different reasons, but I can't tell you how many of my friends go to a therapist or even if it's just a one-time thing or they had to adopt something like mindfulness or they started doing yoga, something like that. But if people were more willing to talk about it, I think you'd be surprised at how many people actually have seeked help in some sort of fashion. So don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. There's a pretty good chance that the person you're talking to has had to seek help in some fashion as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Doug. Yeah, it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, been a pleasure talking with you guys. And, you know, this is uh, the stuff we've just finished talking about. If there's a problem with a business, if you look under the hood, what's really happening, Mm -hmm. this is this is one of the things going on. So this is foundational. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree with that. All right. Well, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of The Lex Factor. And we will talk with you next time. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, guys. Thanks for tuning in to The Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.